0: Hey, hey, this is Megan and you're listening to the Salesy Podcast. This is a podcast for a modern business owner where you will learn how to build your business while staying true to yourself at the same time. As a sales expert of the last eight years and a online business owner, I am here to teach you tangible sales techniques rooted in psychology and human behavior. Get your earbuds on and your Salesy notebook out and let's get started today. Welcome back to another episode of Salesy. I am so excited to have this special guest on for you. I've actually known Amanda for I think we're coming up on like three years now. And she <laughs> is the founder of Dallas Girl Gang, which fun fact, I heard about it at a retreat in Dallas and was like, I have to like connect with this girl. So welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I love being on other people's podcasts. Um I did ours for so long. Like this is super nice. <laughs> yeah. And you guys just like both the podcast, right? Yeah, I did. We did it for four years and it just like wasn't serving us and me anymore. And it was honestly one of the easiest <laughs> decisions.
0: I mean, it comes down to like what works and what doesn't work. And just because something worked in that time frame, I think people get so attached to it. And it's like, sometimes mm-hmm. you just gotta like, let it go, like let it go. So yeah. I would love to focus on Dallas girl Gang today and talk about it more because I know from the outside looking in, like it is incredible with the community that you've built in Dallas, the companies that you've partnered with, like you've worked with Bumble and like create and cultivate. So let's kind of start at the beginning. What made you want to start Dallas girl gang? And what did the early stage of Dallas girl Gang look like?
1: Well, I was still a teacher full time um, in 2017, when I started it. And I was really like searching for community of my own here in Dallas. um, And it was just a lot of other people that looked like me, and were my age that it felt like we were doing sororities again. And I was like, well, I thought we all left college. And, you know, don't do that anymore. And so uh it just felt very clickish. I think a lot of times in like large metropolitan areas, um it, it could be that way. But I found some people through different like events I would go to and find on Eventbrite or Facebook or Instagram and clicked with some people, started my own Facebook group. Um if we would have started this now, I don't know if it would work <laughs> because uh Facebook groups in 2017 like I think that's a big reason why um, it kind of took off, but I just connected with some really cool people. They wanted to stay in touch. They wanted something that was more all-inclusive, um, like diversity-wise and like career, life stage, business, whatever, wherever you're coming from. And so people wanted to meet up more. And so it started with like really informal like meetups, like, hey, let's all go to this coffee shop and work together or whatever. Um, And then it can work together or whatever. Um, And then it became like produced events and ticketed events. Um, And so the early stages were lots of events and just a crap ton of time of me managing our Facebook group and literally like approving every post and trying to comment on absolutely everything that was coming through, uh, which uh, right now would be impossible. Um, and yeah, it was, it was wild, especially as it grew and I was still teaching full-time.
0: You're kind of living this like Hannah Montana lifestyle where it's like teacher <laughs> by day. I'm like hosting and producing these incredible events and connecting women and running this Facebook group. I would definitely agree in 2017, like Facebook groups were so yeah. hot. And they grew so fast. I think yeah. though, like now people still crave that community. So if it wasn't a oh, like it would yeah. be like something, it would yeah. be like something different. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to like the growth of Dallas girl gang, it sounds like it's something that you've been growing over the last, like almost, you know, six to seven years. Yeah. In those early days, what kind of kept you going? Cause you know, there's all that mm. big vision and big vision, like planning, but sometimes when you're in the weeds of things, it's hard to keep going.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And it's funny you said big vision, because that's kind of like our theme for our conference this year. Um, obviously it's called Boss Vision Conference, but our theme this year is like a vision so big. So like a vision so big that people tell you you're crazy or that, oh, like that's impossible. And, um, for me, it was, once I started realizing, like, I think I might enjoy this more than teaching. Um, and it was more fulfilling. I was also at a really like, I was also at a really rough school the last several years. Um, and you, you said Hannah Montana and it, it kind of was like, honestly, the people I worked with did not, had no idea what I was doing on my lunch break or outside of school, like, unless they happened to find me on social media, which towards the end, many did. (laughs) And, you know, they would join our community and like come to events, um, which I love, but it, it wasn't so much about like, motivation in the earlier stages. I think once we hit like 2019 and I saw actual like profitability and potential sustainability in the business model, um that's when I really became very motivated in addition to the fact that I didn't love where I was at career-wise anymore. Um to to work my ass off and ha- host more events, for more profitability and pitch more brands and all those things. And then, you know, towards 20, end of 2019, um, started taking on like coaching clients, small business owners that were like, how did you do this? Like, I want to start my business. What, what do I do? Um, and then again, you know, with the, uh, I keep talking about money, but like, also this is (laughs) like, you're all about sales and money. Um, that was the big thing. It was like, I can't leave my teaching job until I know Like I've got chunks of savings in my savings account and I know like I can replace my teaching income, which sounds easier said than done. Um, So that's where a lot of the motivation came from. Plus like things just continued to grow and like exponentially scale and snowball. And it was exciting and I wanted to be able to serve all of the people and then companies and partners, potentially, that were coming in our into our community. I couldn't do that if I was still teaching full-time. I couldn't be all, all in it. And so I had some moments of, I think I want to do this full-time, and then let's push to get there.
0: Yeah. When did you go full-time? I think you were full-time <laughs> when I met you, because I, so backstory, I learned about Dallas Girl Gang when I was in Dallas in 2020, right before the yeah. pandemic hit. <laughs> And then somehow I think I followed you and we like connected somehow. Yeah. I don't even remember how I ended up in your space.
1: Probably just Instagram DMs. I don't even know. Honestly, actually, I I want to say it was through Madison Tinder because Madison used to live here in Dallas. She mm-hmm. was a part of our community. She did an event with us or something like she did an event with us or something like way back in the day. Um I think it was Madison. But anyway, um yeah, I mean I went full-time December of 2020. Um, and I'm really glad that, like I was not ready to pull the trigger before that at all. Um, so I'm really like, I, you know, I in my head, I was like, I want to not go back for, you know, the fall of 2020 because I had taught during the pandemic and I was like, this shit is terrible. And, you know, I don't want to go back, but I knew I needed to. Because also it was 2020. I no one knew what was going on. Um, and I'm really glad that I did.
0: Yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit. So yeah. Boss Vision Con was supposed to happen 2020. We were supposed yep. to be in person in Texas. And Madison is who I found out through. Um pandemic um, pandemic hits, you take the full thing online. And I remember because I remember approaching you and I was like, I want to speak at Boss Vision Con kind of walk through this like major pivot that you had to do. And like, how did you stay in the boat when you're like mid pandemic?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, at that point I had planned so many events and like, we had had some online stuff, but we were not an online only business. Like we were a very in-person like boots on the ground kind of brand. Cause we're so lo- hyper local or were, we still are, but you know, lots of people find us from all over and people, you know, especially with our conference, like people fly in from everywhere to, to come. Um, it was hard, especially when, you know, we had signed contracts with brands like Planally and they were sponsoring and and I was really afraid like some of the companies were gonna like pull their money out and be like, hey, we need that money back which would have been a problem because we signed a contract, but, um, that was a little scary. Um, no one pulled their money out. I'll I'll say that, but we didn't get any more (laughs) because everything was so, so, so unsure. Um, and no one knew the benefit or what we could even do with like online brand partnerships at that point, like in an event capacity. Um, but honestly it was, harder than doing an event in person, because then all of a sudden I was by myself. Um, I was teaching in the middle of a pandemic. And I then had to figure out every tech piece, every session, make sure our attendees knew or our attendees knew everything, like try to still market this thing and get people to sign up. Um, I mean, that year we definitely like lost money um but i think everybody lost money that year especially if you were in any kind of physical capacity we had you know deposits for things um for vendors and things in person that like were non-refundable and that just really sucked um but it was honestly like i think we did it well um and from an attendee standpoint like i don't think maybe i'm blocking them out but i don't think we had any complaints or like you know, blah blah blah, because everybody understood. Like, none of us knew what was going on, and we all still just wanted to be connected, regardless. Um, and then uh, to the speakers, like all of you, like it was really, really incredible to see everyone still be so on board and so so on board and so supportive. Because um, I know what it's like from the event side and the speaker side, like the the commitment and the time, and you know all of that stuff, so it was quite a shift, but, um, you know, we got it done, and then it was a really great learning experience, because then we had to do online stuff for a long time, Um, and, you know, trial and error, and figuring things out, and asking people for feedback, and what they needed was, um, was really, really great.
0: Yeah, I remember Boss Vision Con was the first big event that I ever spoke at. Cause I was Mm -hmm. still like, that was like on the upswing of like really growing. I remember that week so clearly because it was like (laughs) Tuesday I had the Voyager article come out and people were like, holy shit, this Ah. isn't just like some casual business. And then it was like, I spoke at BossCon, spoke at BossCon. And then like either that day or like two days later, I hit my first hundred K in sales in eight months. And it was just like, such a surreal moment. I remember sitting in my bedroom downstairs and like looking at all these people and being like, I mean, I was only 24 at the time. So I felt so young and being like, holy shit, this is like a whole thing. So you guys did online stuff for two years. Boss Vision Con is happening in October. So a month from now when we're recording this. Yeah. In that time too you shifted into educating and consulting what made you want to I know you talked about it a little bit well what made you want to take on more of that capacity while you're running this like very visible company with a really big audience I think how many people are in the membership and in the community now
1: Yeah um I mean collectively like I say like 50,000 say like 50,000 um <laughs> And crap, can you hear my dog? It's okay. Hold on. Hold on, let
0: me go close the door. It's real life on Zoom sometimes. Literally, Mm -hmm. my dogs have to stay downstairs
1: because they will
0: bark and all of those things. Okay, she's good.
1: Um, What was your question? and what made me want to do like consulting and coaching?
0: Yeah. And for you specifically, like how big is the community now?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, So collectively, like, you know, plus our community is not like membership required. So people can join our Facebook group for free. Anyone is allowed to like find our event and buy a ticket and come. Uh, We do have a specific membership. We're actually kind of um, revamping it right now. That's really specific. Specific, really specific to business owners um because our community is not just business owners um it's about half at least but um I say like 50,000 um and to this point beyond Dallas beyond Texas um especially with like our online reach and people that have found us through the podcast and our conference over the years um it's, it's really wild. And then to your other question of what made me kind of switch into also consulting and coaching, um, the end of 2019, like I said earlier, we had just grown a lot. And I think in 2019, we hosted like 40, 45 events in person, which was a lot. Um, and I was still teaching full time. So I don't ever recommend that if you have a full time job because um, I had to be at every single one. You know, I didn't have like a team that could go and do it on their own and I could peace out. I can't, I could peace out. I can't now. (laughs) Um, But I had people in our community that were either like thinking about starting a business or they already had a business and they were like, how are you doing this? How, especially in the community aspect. And then later on in the brand partnerships aspect. They were like, I can't, the the question is always like, I can't get people to like care about what I'm doing. And it's kind of the wrong question to ask. And I'm like, well, what are you doing to care for your community? Like if you're only always thinking about yourself, your sales, your brands, no one gives a shit. Like until you have built relationships with actual people. Um, that is (laughs) what I would tell people all the time. And it sounds very simple, but when we think about it, when we think about it, if we're just pushing, pushing, pushing outward, waiting for people to come to us, the wrong approach, um, people approaching me and I was like, well, I didn't really have like the time to like bring on a bunch of one-on-one clients or something. So I just like took one here or there and was like, I guess let's do this and let's, you know, I'll, this is the price, I guess, (laughs) you know, um, and then 2020, I, you know, I realized I'm not only an educator by trade, but I, I'm just an educator period. Like I'll always be a teacher, which I love, like, I absolutely love that. And so, um, Developed a group program. Um, I ran a mastermind once, which I feel like everyone has a mastermind. Um, And then one-on-one clients. And I think right now where I've really landed is like my one-on-one coaching and consulting clients um, and clients. Um, You know, I'm starting with one today who has never done something like this before and already has like some people in place on her team and she's just like ready to hit the ground running, but she has no idea about like marketing and sales and all that stuff. And so that's where I get to come in and help them organize and know like what's really going to work and what's not. So it's been really exciting, um, especially to help people additionally add brand partnerships to their business model potentially.
0: Yeah, I remember when we started, I mean, you and I started like, Coaching around the same time because I started coaching in what August of 2019. Yeah. So we were on kind of the same upswing. People have so much more know about things than we did. I feel like there was so much like trial and error in the beginning. And with that, like that naivety of trial and error, really of trial and error, really kept a lot of us afloat. Like I just remember trying to explain it to people. And now I'm like, yeah, like I, you know, I run my business on Instagram and more people can accept it. For you with brand partnerships, you've worked with some really cool brands like and Cultivate and Bumble. And did you just do a partnership with like Third Love too?
1: Yeah. So I've been working with Third Love. We're in our third month of a three-month contract. And then we, um, but I've been working with them since like the spring of this year of 2022. They are literally one of my favorite brands and not just because they're paying me. Um, They're like a really good company and their team is really fantastic.
0: Yeah. I was uh, reading about, I was reading about disruptive brands in the industry and how like third love and Warby Parker Mm -hmm. and Hubble and all of these brands are starting to do consumer stuff and third love's really interesting because they actually changed a lot of the sh- changed a lot of the shapes of their bras. So they didn't adopt the common shape. And for us out there who have boobs, like you know that everybody's shapes are different. So I think that's really cool. How did you get into brand partnerships? Because I feel like a lot of people wait to have such a large
1: audience, and most people don't know how to. Yep. Dance. And that is the biggest, biggest, biggest. Misconception is that you have to have a big audience, and I'm not I'm not gonna turn this into like a brand partnerships training because I'll just like talk about it forever. Um, but I didn't like look to get into it. I think what happened with with Dallas Girl Gang specifically was we were getting more visible with our Facebook group and people were talking about it, and then you have people join our community that like, oh, I work at Bumble or Oh, I work at this restaurant. We could have you guys in for free or Hey, I work at this marketing firm. And, and the opportunities started to come to us because we were growing and we were like activating in person. We were creating content. We had an active Facebook group and then an email list. And so brands look at that and they're like, oh my gosh, she has, even back, you know, when we had like 1500 Instagram followers, that's 1500 like women in Dallas that I could go reach. And my brand needs to reach that demographic. So what can we do for them to like acquire more customers or build community? Because clearly Amanda has a bunch of these women, you know, all gathered in one place. And so as we grew, especially in numbers, then brands really start to take more notice and then they will pay you. Um, and so it just kind of started to happen, especially with events. Like I operate in, I operate in events as if we have a $0 budget because I am never going to go into my own pocket to pay for an event. Um, because we literally can get everything sponsored because benefits on both sides just makes sense so food drinks things for our gift bags um I don't always love to do this because I like to be able to pay people but like if there's a photographer that's like up and coming and they just want experience or they just moved here and they're trying to build more clientele and they reach out to us I'm I'm like happy to give them that opportunity um photo booths like all that kind of stuff and then we started to you know 2019 2020 get the attention of more national and large companies like um, Bumble. And the thing is the thing about think people like Bumble, for example, um, or even when we partnered with free people, we partnered with free people. Um, they have local hubs in major cities. So like Bumble had or has probably still a Dallas headquarter or like a Dallas office. And so those Dallas people, their job is to find communities and people to activate with. And so because we exist, we're on their radar. Um, And so a lot of that is is how that happened. And then as we continue to grow, I was like, well, now it's my job to go out and pitch more. We're going to get people approaching us, but it's not always going to be a fit. They're not always going to have budget or, you know, it's not going to align a hundred percent. And so I'm going to go get the people that I actually want to work with. And um, that's that's why, you know, like brands like Third Love, like you said, um, have been so exciting to work with.
0: I want to note that you, I want to note that you went out and like found these people and pitched to them because I still think a lot of people are like waiting for brands to come to them. Most yep, brand, you Yeah. Most brands in 2022, if they don't have a full budget for outreach and partnerships and they can find it, but you, you don't know what you don't ask for at this point. And if y'all want to learn more about that, I know, Amanda, you host a masterclass that's, it's pitch to paid, yep. right. And it takes yep. you through the process of how to find partnerships, pitch them yep. and get paid. So you don't have to do yep. like free stuff.
1: Yep. So the masterclass is, is really simple if you're just trying to get started. And then, um, I made a full course, the pitch to paid course, um, and kind of secretly tested and launched it earlier this year and then that'll be back available um this this month actually oh sweet yeah
0: so obviously we could do a whole episode of our brand partnership <laughs> have you come back and talk about that I would like to talk about that I would like nerd out for probably like it's so fun 45 minutes to talk about when you said free people I just like my yeah dropped. I'm like free people like these are like your people
1: I know I'm so sad because I have a pair or two pairs of free people leggings and I'm officially big enough in my pregnancy that they don't fit anymore and they just like roll down over my belly and I'm like
0: you gotta gotta hit them up for those maternity leggings I I don't I know I need to see if they do just like DM them be like hey maternity (laughs) <laughs> question mark <laughs> <laughs> in partnership yeah. question mark I think a lot yeah. of people too get very like up in that obviously we're getting kind of the end because we keep these episodes pretty short and sweet yeah for you and all the growth that you've seen and all the things yeah. that you have done and you've had a, really an incredible time in the online space like I I really genuinely look up to you with the community that you've built and just thank you that's so, and just thank you that's so sweet yeah, everything that you have done, what is like one piece of advice you would give to someone who is building a community and wanting to do it? I know you already gave a ton of golden nuggets and then maybe another piece of advice when it comes to somebody who wants to start like working with brands and stuff.
1: Community. Um, Again, if you're trying to build community, like I think we're like, I want more, I want more, I want, it's funny one of our sessions at our conference this year I I swear I didn't mean to do this as like a plug but um one of our sessions at the the event this year is uh community or customers that's the name of the session and it's like do we do we want to build community or do you actually just want more customers neither is bad but let's be honest with ourselves and so if you could start there um and what then? You yourself defining what does it actually mean to build community in build community in your brand? If you are thinking community is synonymous with customers in your brand, that's fine. But it's it's not really the the core of what of what that should mean. Community should mean like you actually know some of the people personally that are watching, buying, following, reading your emails. Or coming to your events, whatever your business model is, um, community is having a finger on the pulse of their desires, needs, wants. You know, seasons of life. Um, some people that do this really well, um, and just are are good friends of mine. Um, I would say Tamasha Suber. If you guys don't know her, I would yeah. say which she's she's gonna be at the conference speaking uh I would say Hannah Nieves who I worked with for Hannah Nieves who I worked with for a long time um as my own mentor and coach uh Grace Blacksey of Quench Collective and Mm -hmm. uh Shannon Matheson like if you want other examples of people do and, and then Topsy um like those people are so great at, at like they're here to actually serve you. And then they're confident in their business and marketing and sales skills and savvy that they know what they're doing is gonna attract the right people and they know how to sell and all those things on the back end. Um it kind of has to be separate. That's kind of a long answer. But and then on partnerships, uh again, just busting the myth of like that you have to have a lot of followers to get paid. So I have on my personal platform, I have like 13,000 followers. My personal email list is like 800, like 800. In some people's eyes, that's not a lot. In some people's eyes, it is a lot. Brands are paying me. And, uh, you know, like on TikTok, I have like 3,500 followers. I've gotten paid for TikTok. I've gotten paid for LinkedIn and I have like 1500 followers on LinkedIn somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Um, You have a hold on people in the world, and so if brands see that you have influence over any certain group of people, had no matter how big or small, they're looking for you to help them further their brand. So the ball's kind of in your court. Like, I'm working with a client right now who she's already talking to a couple of brands um, about potential opportunities, and she has like I don't know, 3,000 followers, but take away that misconception and realize you probably have something that a brand is looking for. So that's simple as it gets.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have, I don't have 13,000 yet. I have 4,000 followers and I looked up like, what is 4,000, you know, people look like in a room. And I think we get so hung up on numbers, building community. And then like the average Instagram account only has two hundred followers. People, yeah, and like you're. <laughs> if you got more than two hundred followers, you're doing great. Yeah. Obviously, we love to ask this. Where can we keep up with you? TikTok's one of them. I love your TikToks and oh, thanks. Instagram. <laughs> yeah,
1: TikTok and Instagram, Amanda's in Dallas or our Dallas Girl Gang
0: platforms. Sweet. Well, yeah. y'all need to check her out, and obviously. Keep rooting her on in her pregnancy. We will definitely have it like <laughs> out before pregnancy.
1: We will definitely have it like <laughs>
0: out before you're due. But if I don't see you before then, super excited yeah. for you. And thank
1: thanks you so lady. much. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. Thanks. You're
0: welcome. If you have loved today's podcast episode, go ahead and take a moment to rate and review on whatever you choose as your platform to listen rating and reviews help us not only be able to serve you deeper but to bring more people in to learn more about sales if you ever want to check out the behind the scenes go down to the show notes my instagram is always linked and i will see you next wednesday for another episode of Salesy.